0: Would you rather choose to keep clear of your fears and live a life of static numbness or choose to confront your fears and live a life of flavor and adventure? I am Pratna and you're listening to Paradigm Shift. I'm so glad you tuned in to listen because today's episode is with an extremely special guest, Akshay Nanavati. He is a United States Marine veteran, a speaker, an entrepreneur, an ultra runner, as well as the author of the book, Fiorvana. One day he said this to me and it really stuck, so I'm going to read it out to you all. Nature is the best playground to explore the human soul because its brutality is pure. It doesn't act out of malice or any intent. It just is. So when confronting the challenges of nature, we must go within to transcend the struggle. That journey is profoundly beautiful it is the best way to train that virtue of courage. So today we dwell deeper into understanding more about his life, his journey with post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as how he's breaking human barriers and living his fullest potential. Hi Akshay, how are you?
1: Doing good. How are you doing, partner?
0: I'm all good too. I'm so excited to talk more about your expedition and your life and your journey as well
1: thank you excited to share it
0: uh so the other day i was reading your book fiorvana and Mm -hmm. i wanted to realize what inspired you to write this book and can you tell us more about fiorana
1: sure you know my what inspired me to write it was i had come back from the war in iraq with the us marines and after the war i really struggled i was diagnosed with ptsd struggling with depression drinking heavily like a bottle of vodka a day till one morning after five days of binge drinking, I was on the verge of slitting my own wrists and taking my life. And so that was kind of... That moment was very obviously a very, very dark place to be in. And coming out of that place, I realized obviously something's wrong. I need to do something differently and change my life. And I went deep into studying neuroscience, psychology, spirituality. And initially, it was just to figure out how do I confront my own demons? How do I heal myself from this pain that I was in? And then it led me on this far more purposeful and, and deeper and meaningful quest to figure out how do we all navigate human suffering? You know, and that's what led me to wanting to share what I was learning with other people because of course everybody was suffer. everybody suffers in their own way right and the essence of fear and why i needed to share this wisdom with others is that it, it combats the demonization of fear you know fear stress anxiety suffering even trauma all these things are framed as something bad as something negative negative. and the whole essence of fear is that fear is not the antithesis of nirvana it's the access point to it. And even for me, you know, my struggles, my stressors, my, 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 my stress that I had felt from after the war, it wasn't a problem. It was just what I did with it. And any, any pain, any suffering, any trauma can be channeled into something beautiful if we consciously engage it. And that's what had me choose to write this book and want to share that with others who were confronting whatever demon demons they might be facing.
0: Yeah, that's, that's an amazing perspective. So I wanted to ask, like, how, how have you channeled your pain and your stress?
1: You know, so when I came back from the war, as I mentioned, I was diagnosed with PTSD and one of the things among many that I was struggling with was survivor's guilt. I lost a friend of mine in the war and, and I've lost two junior Marines to suicide. And I was always this feeling that it should have been me that died instead of him. Like, why do I get to come back alive? My vehicle drove over an active bomb and it didn't explode. His vehicle drove over an active bomb and it did explode. And who knows why those kind of things happen, but it, I struggled with why do I get to be here when so many others have suffered and died, you know, so many have suffered more than more than I do. So uh, for a while, again, it drove me into dark places, but how I channeled it and used it, you know, when I came out of this, this rock bottom place that I was in, I, for a long time, what I did was I put a picture of my friend up on my wall and it said, this should have been you earn this life. So my guilt became my ally guilt was guilt is framed as a negative emotion as a bad emotion. It wasn't. And everybody told me not to feel guilty, but I get it. Like war, you can't control what happens. Bullets fly where they fly. Bombs explode what, you know, you can't control that, but. It, so the guilt was, was, was not, was an emotional reaction because it was an expression of love. You know, war is uncontrollable rationally, cognitively, I get it, but emotionally and subconsciously, that guilt was just love for my brother. So I used it, I used it to say that, let me earn this life to now do something meaningful with it, that I've been gifted, you know, gifted this life to, to be of service to others. So that's why we wrote the book for, I wrote the book for Nirvana. All the profits go to charity, we support survivors of sex trafficking to former child soldiers, build a business around this concept, and now helping other people through all my life experiences since then of playing on the edges of running ultra marathons, losing a finger in Antarctica, you know, being on expeditions in some of the most hostile environments on the planet, taking all these lessons I've learned to help others push their own limits and ultimately explore their own potential in a way that maybe they don't, almost certainly they don't even know they really have within them until they play on those edges.
0: So that sounds awesome. Um, I know you have an expedition coming up. So can you tell us more about the coming up expedition?
1: Sure. Yeah, in about two weeks, I'll be heading to the Arctic, uh, north of the Arctic Circle, to do about 69 days of expeditions out there. It'll be four separate expeditions. 45 of them will be completely solo. And then the last one will be skiing with the group up to the North Pole on the top of the world in the Arctic Ocean. And while it's a pretty big expedition in its own right, it's a good amount of time out on the ice. What this is leading up to, this is training for a hundred and ten-day solo twenty-seven hundred kilometer ski crossing of the entire continent of Antarctica, where if accomplished, it'll be the first ever human-powered crossing of the if the entire continent. That's what this is all leading up to.
0: That's daunting
1: to say the least.
0: <laughs> How do you feel about it?
1: It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. I'm scared. Of dying, I'm scared that what if I don't live up to the standard that I measure myself by? What if I just can't endure it? Um, I'm terrified of the depths of hardship and solitude and suffering I will inevitably experience. Because polar exploration is a brutal journey. As you know, as I mentioned, I was in Antarctica last year. I lost a finger to frostbite. And being in a polar storm, I've been on, I've spent one month dragging 190 pound sled for 550 kilometers across Greenland. I've done many expeditions like this, climb mountains in the Himalayas. And you, the depth of suffering is brutal in terms of at least like voluntary suffering, as in suffering we seek as opposed to suffering, you know, inflicted upon people in the darkest corners on earth. It's some of the worst you can possibly endure. And so that terrifies me.
0: And what makes you want to do it?
1: So it also excites me because the suffering is is not the reason why I go. It's what the suffering gives me. That suffering gives you an access place, access point into the into the human spirit, into the human soul that you can't find unless you go there. You know, you have to battle the dragon to gain the treasure. And the greater the suffering, the greater the rewards on the other side of it. It is an experience of transcendence. It's an experience of finding something so alive in the human spirit that, it, 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 it's it's a, it, it's hard to explain the the bliss that you that you that you taste out there. You know, out there in Antarctica or all these on these expeditions, life is so amplified. Everything you feel, you feel more intensely. The lows are incredibly low, but the highs are incredibly high. So in this one microcosm of time, you get to live like multiple lifetimes worth of experiences. And so that reward of playing so far out on the edge. And exposing the truth, the deeper truths about the human spirit is is profoundly beautiful. And that's why I go to open those doors, to go into those places and see what it will reveal. You know, it's uh it's to it's to awaken our own inner Buddhahood that we all have within us, but you can't tap into your greatness unless you go into the depths of hardship to find something within you to awaken that greatness.
0: Mm. So when did the first door open into like the world of expeditions? Like, how did you figure out that this was a passion of yours?
1: I got into it after joining the Marines, because before joining the Marines, I, you know, I'm great parents, uh, couldn't have asked for a better life. I wasn't sort of didn't have a traumatic child or anything. My mom and dad were great, gave me a good life. So I never really knew suffering, really. You know, I mean, I got into drugs very heavily in high school because I moved around to four different cities and three countries before joining the Marines. So I was very lost just in that sense, like didn't know my path, didn't know who I wanted to be. So in high school, I got into drugs heavily and and cut myself, you know, I lost two friends to addiction, just wasting my life really. And joining the Marines is what then first in life, me about the beauty of adversity. Marine Corps training is very hard. It's challenging. And I found something within myself to transcend that suffering and the rewards it was revealing within me, the, the, it, the places I was finding within myself, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I was hooked, you know, so that after joining the Marines, I wanted to find other ways to confront my own fears, to explore my own limitless limitlessness. And so I got into outdoor sports through that through joining the Marines, because I used to be scared of everything too, like scared of heights, scared of tight spaces, scared of open water. So I went caving, I went scuba diving, I went rock climbing, I went mountain climbing, skydiving, like every, every fear I was feeling, I was systematically facing it and engaging it. And when you step on the other side of that, you're, you're awakening everything about what makes us like the, the human spirit at its finest. And that's like it. It's what makes life kind of worth living. That feeling of pure bliss. Right.
0: Did engaging with the fear help you overcome it?
1: You know the 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 notion of overcoming fear, and and it's 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 something you hear people say all the time, right? But I think it's a the and words have a lot of power. So I don't I don't like that word overcome because overcome inherently implies that fear is something bad. I got to like overcome. Instead, it's more about embracing the energy of it. Like, as I mentioned, I'm terrified of all the things I do. I'm scared of going to the Arctic. I'm scared of going to Antarctica. I'm scared of like most of the things I do, you know, and and I don't ever get over the fear and I have no desire to get over the fear because it's, 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 that's, that's the very thing that draws me. There's nothing scary about sitting down in the evening to put on a movie or anything, right? And I'm not demonizing that. We need to recover and relax from time to time. But the point is there's nothing scary about that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want to live my whole life doing that, you know? So it's the fear that is actually what makes the thing worth doing. So it's not so much about overcoming it. It's actually about embracing it and seeking it and and pursuing it and then falling in love with it like that 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 butterflies in my stomach that anxiety i mean sometimes like there's sleepless nights but i but i know it's like everything great i've ever accomplished in my life and i'm blessed to have lived a multiple lifetimes worth of experiences in this life everything absolutely terrified me and everything there was at least one moment where i'm like this sucks i don't want to be here so that's what made it all worth doing you know
0: yeah i love that i was waiting for that answer so do you believe in the power of the subconscious mind?
1: Yeah, the subconscious runs the show, right? The subconscious is the in, in my book for I call it the animal brain versus the human brain, the prefrontal cortex. The subconscious is faster than the conscious brain. It's what has makes habits habits, right? It's so it it runs our show without our awareness. And the key, the 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 essence of this personal development work, the of the of the inner growth work is as Carl Jung said, he said, until you make the unconscious conscious It will direct your life, and you will call it fate. Mm -hmm. So the key about doing that work, and you you find like that you 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 open those doors into the subconscious by one being still, which as Carl Jung also said, people will do anything no matter how absurd to avoid confronting their own soul. So we live in a world where we're constantly distracting ourselves from ourselves, and as a result, the subconscious is running our show without our awareness because it is shaped by everything that's happened in our life up to this point, we're not even fully aware of those patterns. But the beliefs, the constructs, the the habit patterns, the life experiences shapes our subconscious, which shapes our our life experience. And most people are living this life of quiet desperation, because they haven't gone into those spaces. But the, going into those spaces is hard work. But you got to do that hard thing to come out on the other side of it. Otherwise, you're just going to live most of your life in a kind of desperation and misery that you're not even fully aware of, you know, and that's why most people aren't successful by any measure of success.
0: Yeah. So how do you think we can make the unconscious conscious and also train uh, train our mind?
1: One thing is like, is just being still, like as I think, you know, I spent 10 days in complete darkness and isolation, sitting in a dark room where you couldn't see your hand in front of you. Now, you don't know that's an extreme measure. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, although I think everybody would get value from it. But meditating, journaling, doing hard things, going to places where you're putting yourself in a position where one part of you wants to quit and the other wants to fight and going to war with yourself. It's in that war with yourself that you find something new. You know, the confidence I've developed. I used to be the most insecure, goofy kid, like no confidence, no no self-esteem, nothing, right? Today, I'm extremely confident when I walk out, but that's built because confident is like confidence, self-belief, that inner power is built on the battlefield. So you got to go to war with yourself. And in those experiences, you'll find something within yourself to transcend your own demons, to transcend your own inner weakness. And in that transcendence, is like That's the thing we all seek, right? As Maslow said in the, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs is self-actualization and actually what it is is self-transcendence. It's like the thing we all seek, but it's so damn hard to get there. And so most of us will just stay. We, we're scared to do the hard thing because of the, the fear of the pain. But the thing is, if you live your whole life scared of pain, you're just going to live in this kind of flat line, this static numbness. But you can't know pleasure unless you know pain. It's, it's darkness is what makes light actually exist, right? Pain is what gives pleasure. You need contrast to, 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 to give flavor to life, to make this human experience more of an adventure and to actually live it to its fullest. So we need to go into places of pain to actually not only heal from pain. It's like the the, the path to healing from pain is actually playing on the edge of pain. And that's how you heal from it. When you play on the edge of pain, when you pursue pain, and then you will actually know what true pleasure really is.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. That was awesome. Uh, So I wanted to ask um, when you were talking about pain and like playing on the edge of uh, pain, how do you know when you're pushing too much? When you reach a danger zone?
1: Yeah. Sometimes you got to go, I think it's TS Eliot who said only those who risk going too far will find out how far they can possibly go. So sometimes you have to go a little far. So for example, like I did an eight minute cold river dip in the freezing winter in Vermont and I got hypothermia. That was stupid, right? But I realized then, all right, eight minutes is a little much, so I won't do that again. Now I'm not saying everybody should do that, but the point is. I had gone, I did two minutes, I did a two minutes in a frozen river. And then I did four minutes. And then I was like, all right, let me push the line a little bit. Let me do eight, eight might have been pushing the edge a little bit too much. So now I know to tone it back. I've gotten heat exhaustion multiple times, you know, where I've literally had full body cramps. I've I've been nauseous. I've been in depths of like absolute pure pain. I've ruptured a tendon, but I have zero regrets. Now, I know that's going to sound a little extreme. I'm not saying everybody should go there, but you have to push a little bit to find out what that line is you know and and you and but that's where you also temper it like if there's many great outdoors people who push the line so far they're dead today right so you temper it and you balance it on the other edge so i know that like as much as i love going into depths of suffering i also love Absolute opulence and luxury and comfort, right? I'm the guy laying in my bed right now, especially before two weeks before I go into the cold. I'm like, this is awesome, like embracing my warm blanket, you know. So by playing on all edges, meaning like if you look at the edge of suffering and play, you know, semantics aside, call it whatever word you want. I go on the edge of suffering, but I also go on the edge of play, right? Every every in life there are these these series of dualities, you know. Life is filled with dualities, darkness and light. Contentment and discontentment, ego, humility—you know—suffering uh, uh, and, and play, and all these dualities. Fear and nirvana is another example that we 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 frame one side of a duality as bad or negative, but they're not bad everything fear is not bad suffering is not bad ego is not bad they all have their value and when you play on all edges you find where on that spectrum you want to lie so you you kind of bouncing back on that edge you know i go hard in suffering but then i come back and i go hard in recovery right you know i'm playing on all edges all out and that's where you start to in the process like life is an ex- like view life as an experiment as a game and you will start to figure out where your line is so again i'm not saying everybody should get heat exhaustion or, or hypothermia or losing fingers to frostbite is the only Way to some sort of enlightenment, but I play on those edges a little far out. But everybody's got to find their own.
0: Mm. So, what are your goals for the upcoming six months? Let's see.
1: The my number one goal for really this year is doing training the mind, body, spirit, and the finances. We're filming a documentary around this Antarctic crossing as well. So, making that happen like the next three months, I'll be on the ice in Norway. So, I'm, I'm out, I'm leave February 4th and I'm back April 28th. So, really, three months of my life there, I'll be gone on the ice. I'll have little breaks in civilization between each expedition, but for the most part, I'm on the ice that three months and then I'm back. And then I start training for Antarctica and then end of October this year. Um, my goal is to try to pull this off. I mean, it's so big that most people consider it impossible to do. Three expeditions this season, they were attempting partial crossings of the continent, not even a full coast to coast crossing and all three failed. Okay. So it's, it's daunting and it's, uh, the odds of failure are far bigger than the odds of success on this. So I'm doing what I can to, to pull, somehow pull this off and make it happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And how do you set your goals and what advice would you give to like, you know, be disciplined, consistent with these goals?
1: So as far as goal setting, I mean, I guess at first it's like, do you know what your path is, right? Hmm. It's two separate things. If if we assume the person does know, it's a little different process than if we don't know. Do you want me to, which one do you want me to address?
0: Assume the person doesn't know.
1: Okay. So let's say you don't know what your craft is. You don't know what your, your, what I call your worthy struggle, that your path in life, right? if you're if you if you don't know the way to start is okay let me start looking at what do i not want in my life so we can only do the best we can with our knowledge and awareness of time so we take what we have with our life experience and we start looking at what would i want my ideal lifestyle to look like so we're going to work backwards from the future not forward from the present so let's say okay a few years down the road what do i want my life to look like i want to maybe travel a lot or maybe i don't right again i start listing out All the things I don't want. It's often easier to say what I don't want than what I do want. So some people might say, like, I know some people who like no desire to travel. They just want to be at home with their family. Cool. So there's no right or wrong, right? So once I get clear, well, here's what I don't want. Here's what I do do want. I'm starting to get a sense of what the lifestyle looks like. We're not getting into a job or or a craft yet, right? Okay. So now then I look at what, what roles, what jobs, what, um, you know, pursuits could get me that, that lifestyle. Okay. Here's a series of pursuits. Got it. Who's doing those pursuits. Let me look at what they're doing. Does that resonate with me? You know what? That kind of resonates with me. Got it. Now I'm going to pursue that that path, go ham into it, right? And now when you go ham, like passion is developed through the struggle. Don't wait, like it's not about following your passion because we have a ton of passions, right? But so you 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 take what you what you what lifestyle you want to create. You combine it with whatever sense of knowledge you already have about your own strengths and resources. Like I'm not one to set limits. It's all about striving clearly for impossible feats as I'm about. But at the same time, a degree of practicality and pragmatism is valuable. Like it'd be really stupid for me to say now, I wanna be an NBA player. I'm 30 years old, I'm five, seven. There's not a frigging chance in hell that's happening. It'd be a waste of my time, effort, energy to even attempt it, right? So you take some degree of pragmatism, understanding of what what maybe what you have a sense of what brings you joy Joy if you already have that. And this is why that inner still stillness, what we talked about earlier is so important. You take that, you combine with this lifestyle, you get a sense of the jobs, you look at people who are doing those jobs, and then you start creating some milestones to get there. So now we come back to the process of the goal setting, right? So break it down into small milestones. All right, got it. I want to let's say, let's say somebody listens, I want to build a business, right? Okay, got it. I want to, or I want to write a book, right? Let's, let's 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 do that example. Okay, study from people who've written books this is what I did. So people who written great books. And then I look at how to write a book. I study it. I start writing. I'm creating small milestones along the path. And uh, as you hit those milestones, things will go wrong. And that's just life, right? So to your kind of second part of that question, how do you stay consistent and disciplined? The key is one part, a huge part of that is having clarity on the goal. That's what we just talked about. Because a big reason why people don't stay it, one of the few reasons is is lack of clarity. It's easy to say like, I wanna lose weight, but then it's like how much weight and how much time? I wanna make more money. How much money and how much time? What's the roadmap? I think it was Stephen Covey, he said, stop setting goals. Goals are pure fantasy unless you have a specific plan to achieve them. So you have the goal, but then you create a specific detailed plan. I mean, literally mapping out by the month, by the week, by the day. So every night, like later tonight, I'm going to write down what are my top things to do tomorrow. So I'm mapping out the day ahead. Every Sunday, I map out the week ahead. Every month, I map out the month ahead. So I have clarity on the actions, right? And then you make your world small. What do I mean by making your world small is it's it can feel overwhelming to say, I want to write a hundred thousand word book. That feels daunting. Even now, if I think about 110 days in Antarctica, that's way too daunting. I step on, on day one, I'm only thinking about the next hour. So you bring yourself back. And that's that's a hard battle because your mind's gonna go to places. This is why you have to train the mind to bringing yourself back. A simple way to practice that presence and being in the moment is just bring your mind back to your senses. All right, I'm gonna focus on what am I feeling? What am I What am I seeing? I'm bringing it back to the present. All right, got it. Now I'm just gonna write for the next hour, right? Like I'm not gonna think about the whole book. I'm just going to write for the next hour even if nothing or even an hour 15 minutes even if nothing shows up I'm going to sit at this computer screen and stare for 15 minutes but the key thing is why I think the the ultimate number one reason why people don't are struggle with discipline is you have to suffer you're going to struggle like I don't care how much you set up habits and there's a lot of tech like tricks to setting up habits like systematizing things like simple ways let's say I want to floss more often. I just set my floss next to my toothbrush because I'm I'm, I'm attaching a new behavior to something I'm already doing, right? Like I'm going to brush my teeth. So I'll put the floss next to it. So those are habits things, but ultimately you are going to have days where you don't feel like doing that thing. You're going to have days where you suffer. You're going to have days where you struggle. And that's why coming back to the essence of everything that is fear of Honor, the essence of everything that I teach, you have to master the art of suffering well. And that comes with being in the arena, and you don't start by crossing Antarctica. Like that wasn't the first thing I did, right? As I said, I used to be scared of everything. So I went in small steps, do one little thing. Maybe it's like, uh, I'm going to do five push push-ups today. That really sucked. Got it. Now you build up to, then you start slowly building up that ladder one inch at a time, right? Co- confronting yourself, going to war with yourself and a very simple technique to navigate the suffering is something I call the suffering smile. I mentioned it in fear of And it's literally when you're in the pain cave, when you're in that suck, just smile. And it's like a different kind of smile. It's like, I get into a place that I call the cage and it's like this very animalistic, raw, like unrestrained. There is no humanity in this moment. It's just pure savage, right? You're tapping into the savage and you're smiling. Like, this is my moment, you know? And so you you get into this, like, almost like a rage. You can just call it like tapping into an animality. And that smile is, there's power in that smile, you know? And you you do that enough, it becomes you.
0: Mm. So. I've, for a long time, I've had this perspective that suffering is resistance. So if you take a part in life and you face a lot of suffering, what the suffering is telling you is that you're on the wrong path, you know, switch paths. So would you say that you can look at suffering like that? Is that something you look at suffering as?
1: So to some degree, it's a little bit of semantics because you might have, I guess, I think what you're referring to also is in the personal development word, we often hear, you know, uh, pain is optional, suffering, yeah. or sorry, pain is pain is necessary, suffering is optional, right. Right? right? So to a certain degree, I think that's semantics. The reason I use the word suffering a lot even my work, you've probably seen I I use that word a lot is because suffering has a different feel to it than pain. Suffering just sounds like the worst thing, right? It sounds more difficult than pain than struggled and difficult. So it's a very conscious choice of using that word, because if I can, if I can develop such a comfort with even the word suffering, it's then then the experience becomes that much easier because words have power in shaping us so like to me i hear the word suffering and i smile i don't think if it is a negative word right so the point is to say i get what you're saying and there is value to that point so to that point of resistance that's that is what creates unnecessary suffering so to illustrate this concept buddha said we are all stabbed by the two darts of suffering so the first dart is the one we don't control so let's say for example i stub my toe against the door the door, my toe hurts. The second dart is when I start saying things like, this door is stupid. Why does God hate me? Why do bad things only happen to me? Life is terrible. And we go down this rabbit hole to make our suffering much worse. This rabbit hole of this downward spiral of inner inner dialogue, which everybody can relate to, right? We all know that inner dialogue where our brain can go. And so I call that second dart syndrome. So the way to interrupt the in, in unnecessary suffering is to accept the isness of the suffering and then release the second darts, meaning, all right, my toe hurts, got it. So as simple as that, and I and it sounds very s- easier said than done. But when I when I do the things that I do, like running ultra marathons or being in Antarctica, you're always suffering. You're suffering immensely. And what makes the suffering worst? If I go, this sucks. This is terrible. I wish the pain would go away. But the second I said, got it, I'm in pain. Beautiful, right? Like I'm going to just accept the isness. Now the suffering is still there. The pain's still very much there. But I've reduced. I've I've, al- I've released those second darts, and that's what. Like, that's where I think that 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 phrase, you know, pain is necessary, suffering is optional. I think that's what it's referring to. Uh, I just use the word suffering instead of pain, but it's a similar kind of ethos, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So would you say that, that suffering is like a guiding light? Like, does it show us where not to go sometimes in life?
1: It shows us both where not to go and where to go, right? Like as an example, I mean, cause, cause here's the thing, every crossroads in life, you're going to suffer. You yeah. could, let's say I have this job that I hate versus this business. I, okay, I'm where, I could stay in this job that I hate or quit and start a business. Either path, you're going to suffer, or, you know, I'm going to stay in this relationship or, or leave and be single. Either mm-hmm. path, you're going to suffer. So you're always going to suffer. You know, a, a simple analogy too, is like, imagine I'm a skydiving and I'm standing on the edge of the plane. It's, I'm terrified of about to leap out. Now, if I don't leap out, I'm gonna constantly feel like, oh shit, I should have jumped. you know, but if i if I stand there and do leap, I'm gonna feel fear. But once I leap, I feel the bliss, you know? So the point is, you're always going to suffer. So suffer like as far as what it's indicating to you, that just requires a conscious awareness, you know? Like I could uh, it's it was hard writing a book. It was also hard. like it was all, but what 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 was more valuable to me, why I finally finished writing my book because I procrastinated a ton on writing it, was the suffering of, living my whole life, never having shared my message with the world, That was worse to me than the suffering of actually writing the book. So a simple way is I always invite people to get clear because which struggle are you willing to endure? Which suffering are you willing to endure? Okay, here's my two crossroads and I'm gonna write it down. This path will entail this suffering. This path will entail this suffering. And this path will entail this rewards. This path will entail this rewards. So I'm getting clear on the pain and pleasure dynamics of each path. And then I'm literally writing this down, right? All right, now which path will I choose? And then you get to decide which suffering do I want to endure? Mm. suffering and going to Antarctica is going to be tremendous suffering more than I've ever experienced in my entire life but that suffering to me is clearly one that I believe is worth pursuing which is why I'm seeking it because I'd rather live I'd rather suffer through that hell that I will endure than live my whole life never having unleashed the the highest version of myself that I believe I can be that suffering is far worse to me
0: Mm. that's awesome and take, going back to your journey about ptsd so could we talk more about that and how you pushed through it
1: sure so you know as i mentioned when i came back i was diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder i i struggled with survivors guilt i was very jump, jumpy and hypervigilant of loud noises i didn't like being in crowds and i was told that these were all symptoms of post traumatic stress disorder but as i started doing you know going on my own inner healing journey i started realizing that these are very normal human responses to war. I spent seven months in a place where loud noises meant death. Inevitably, I was more hypervigilant. I was more jumpy. That's not a disorder. That's just a normal human response to an experience like war. So was survivor's guilt. Guilt was just an expression of love. It wasn't a disorder. It's a normal feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of camaraderie that I felt with my brother. So the point is to say that I was labeled post-traumatic stress disorder, but what happens is, and we all do this, is that then that becomes my identity and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's Mm. something wrong with me. I have a disorder. Instead of saying, got it, I have post-traumatic stress, but that does not mean it's a disorder. Post-traumatic stress are these these symptoms, these, these things. But what I do with them, that's the second dart. That's up to me. I can choose to, oh, I have a disorder. Woe is me? This sucks. Got it. I went through all this shit. There's something beautiful in it. That's why I put that picture of my friend up on my wall and said, this should have been you. Earn this life. My guilt didn't go away. I still, to this day, there's times where I'll watch scenes from war movies knowing they will make me cry because I still wrestle with that feeling that I haven't suffered enough to earn my right on this planet, but it's not, but it's now, it's now driven me to become the absolute greatest version of my life. And I could not be happier either, you know? So you don't, the the problem is we overscribe that label of post-traumatic stress disorder. And then people cultivate that into their very identity. And people do this with mental health issues all the time. Like I have depression, I am depressed. They will say that. And then that becomes your identity instead of saying my brain goes to a state of depression from my time to time, but I'm not my brain. And my brain is not me. We are not our thoughts, right? We are not our thoughts. We're not our feelings. We're not our experiences. We are the thinker of our thoughts, the feeler of our feelings and the experiencer of our experiences. So what I did to transcend all that is recognize there's a space between that post-traumatic stress, accepting the isness, as I mentioned earlier, accepting the isness and then realizing that, but that's not me, who I choose to be, who I, what I choose to do with these things, that's going to be a choice. And who I will be will not be shaped by the isness of that struggle of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. It'll be shaped by a conscious effort to become who I want to be. But you have to face that pain to transcend it.
0: Mm. And what gave you the courage to flip the perspective on that like when every when people around you diagnosed you as ptsd what gave you the courage to say that okay so i have post traumatic stress but this is not me like this is not who i am and these are normal feelings
1: yeah the, it was, well, one, I had kind of trained in courage a good bit by this point. Like I'd done a lot of crazy stuff. I'd already been to war, I've climbed mountains, i had done a lot of things. So courage, like anything is a muscle, right? You train in it. But two, it was the recognition that everything wasn't they They were telling me wasn't working. You know, the therapists I went to, great human beings, they were genuinely wanted to help, but I realized they were just operating from a bad playbook. And I realized partly through all this life experience that already cultivated up to that point and just recognizing that this, me- these methods are clearly flawed because something's wrong. Like it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. this just was it intuitively resonated more and i think you hearing this and anybody hearing it like oh that that makes sense right because i had navigated and i'd been through it that i was like this is not why would i like that's why even when i went through uh, as in you know struggling with alcohol i never ascribed that identity that i'm an alcoholic why would i label that why would i shape that into myself right so i'm just going to choose whatever label i want and That doesn't mean you're denying what is. Sometimes I've said that, and people are like, Are you just trying to like sugarcoat, you know, what is? And that's not it at all. I accept that it's there, but I'm not giving power to it. Got it. You know, okay, this thing is there. I am jumping with loud noises, but I'm not going to give that power. What I'm going to do is I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to be with it. And then I can start in time shape. Like today, I'm not as high- I'm probably still more hypervigilant than the average person, but I'm not hypervigilant like I was right after war. I don't freak out in crowds. I don't jump like crazy when there's loud noises because over time I learned to be with that state. So, and, and that's as, it's as simple, but not easy, but as simple as practicing. So there's loud noises and I suddenly feel anxiety. Got it. Let me be with it. Let me feel that anxiety fully. Let me breathe into it. All right, cool. Hey, we're good. And then you do that enough, now it normalizes. But the thing is, it's very hard to do that. Like I had this one dialogue with somebody once, and she had gone. She was experiencing what she called PTSD from the Boston bombing, and we we were kind of talking back and forth. And she was like, and I told her the next time you feel that, you know, that anxiety from a loud noise, I just want you to pause and be with it and just sit with it for a second. And she goes, that's really hard. I go, it is really hard but you have to go through that hard thing to come on the other side. You can't you can't avoid that. That's the thing. This is the biggest mistake is we are trying to get to the easiest way out of our pain and that creates more pain. The path to healing pain is playing on the edges of pain. Mm. Okay,
0: I love that. Thank, thank you so you. much for this conversation. Uh, that's all I, That's all the questions I have for you, but absolutely loved all your responses. It actually changed my perspective too. And awesome. uh, Happy to I'm hear sure you. I'm going to have more questions in the future. So I'm going to yeah. be DMing you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Please feel free. Well, but, thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, all the best for your expedition. I'm so excited. And I'm Thanks so excited for the that. documentary coming up.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll definitely be sharing more as it all happens, plays out on Instagram.
0: Of course. Thank you.
1: Thanks, cool. nice, brother. Thank you.
0: Take care. See you. you too. Bye. Wow, that was an amazing episode. I absolutely enjoyed it. I really hope you did too, and I hope it helped you see things in a different light and perspective. Well, that's the end of my podcast. You're listening to Paradigm Shift, and I'm Pratna, signing off.